0: Hello and welcome to episode fifty five of North Point Plus. Big fifty five. We're on cruise control right now. <laughs> I, say, is the, I thought fifty five was when you get your senior discount, but. Oh, that's true. Is it when is it fifty five or is it sixty five? I, I
1: wouldn't know. Ha ha ha. Um <laughs> depends where you go. Okay. Well, you know say, what? We'll, we will give you a senior discount uh, at North Point when yes. you turn 55. Well, yes. Here at North so Point, we care about our senior. All, all of the seating is reduced when you turn 55.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, welcome to our follow-up podcast. North Point Plus is our follow-up podcast where we, uh, we gather together on Sunday mornings, do all the fun church stuff, gather together, worship together, dive into the Word together, and this podcast is just more of that. We probably won't sing together, unless you really want us to, but no one's asked for that. <laughs> no <laughs> one has.
1: No, that's true. No one has asked Don't that.
0: Don't do it. Don't ask for it. <laughs> I, we
1: haven't heard Mark sing.
0: heard Mark sing. Led, not on this podcast. Oh,
1: that's true. I've led worship. You have led worship. I've. You've heard me sing with other people, and that's that's true. But you've not <laughs> sung during a message. No. Am I the
0: only one? I don't <laughs> Jake think Jake ha- yeah. ever has. Okay, well, when Jake does it, then I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. If I can get Jake to gotcha, do it, then then we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so this podcast, we, uh, we this is an opportunity to just dive in, uh, ask questions, hopefully answer questions, <laughs> and go a little deeper. Uh, Put the speaker on the spot. <laughs> Exactly. And man, there's some good questions today. We're going to be on the yeah. spot for sure. Because you're the speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke this past Sunday. It was uh, a lot of fun. So what was it about? Because I, I wouldn't hear. Oh, we were just talking about the Bible. Oh, that's good. Yeah, just Bible The stuff. B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we're in a new series. Called Experiencing God. There was your chance fun. to sing right there. Ah, I missed it and now it's yeah. gone forever. That's we're never, right. We're never going to get it back. Uh, we kicked off a new series, Experiencing God. So we've been uh, yep. just, we're two weeks into it now. So we're in yep. Unit 2. Um, and yeah, we've been talking about this for a while leading up to it. But Experiencing God is this multiple weeks long study where we're just going through this uh, workbook series called Experiencing God. Yep, um, written by Henry Blackaby. Black uh, it's 30 years old, but they're celebrating their 30-year uh, anniversary, and we're diving in as a church. And I, I said it on Sunday, but if you didn't hear the message, it, I have had the privilege, and as a staff, we've had the privilege of sitting with this study a little longer yeah. just to prep for the message and, and prep for the series as a whole. And it's so... Good. Yeah, there's so many good yeah. questions and so many good things to consider, and the way the questions are formulated and the way you work through things is just—it's really built for doing it together as a church. So that's why we're encouraging people to get into life groups to 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 study with it with people, either in your family or in life groups or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, experiencing God—it's just—it's—it's it's been really really cool, even in the first few weeks.
1: Yeah, and and I would just say even if you're not in it, um, I like if you haven't. Gotten into it yet? I'd go ahead and do it, and go back. Uh, I talked to some people in my life group that that got started late. I said, just do do one a day, do one a day, do one a day until you're all caught up. Um, but a part of why I think it's so good is because we all we all um, what's the word? Blanche? We all we all um, push back. About doing a workbook. Yep. About uh, do I got to do the workbook? But there is something that I, I will just say for me that's yeah. very positive about reading and thinking. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But then there's question to say, okay, what do, what do we just say? And then you and then you fill in the blanks and think, do I really think that? Do I really do that? Yeah. And it's it's um yep. it's just a different level of um of interaction. Yes. With with uh, scripture and with uh, concepts that are so critical, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I
0: was I was talking with someone yesterday too, and I had shared that I tend to be a very skeptical person when people are like, "Oh my gosh, you have to read this book; it'll change your life." And it's like, "Will it?" <laughs> Is any book that good other than the Bible? Like, is any book that good? Um, So I always come from that skeptical mindset of like, okay, whatever, like, I'll read it. But like, it's not going to change my life. This is a great book. Yeah. And that's coming from someone that tends to be skeptical, that approaches these from a very skeptical lens. It is really, really good. Great questions. It's worth engaging in. It's been very beneficial for me. You do
1: realize that more than two books, I think you have said to me, you have to read this book. It will change your life.
0: Uh, yeah. And that's from a skeptical person. <laughs> 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 They've been good books. Good stuff. Yeah. So, so uh, uh,
1: go ahead and give the overview.
0: Yeah, so uh, to kind of bring people up to speed, uh, we had unit one or week one or chapter one that kind of introduces this concept of God's will, um, which we'll talk about more in some of the questions. So we talked a lot about God's will. What is God's will? How do you even know what God's will is? How do you work through all of that? Uh, And then we move into unit two or week two. And the main thrust of this chapter is what does it mean for us as to be a follower of the will of God. What does that look like practically for us on a daily yeah. basis to uh, uh, to kind of take concepts from the book and from the Bible, to die to self and to pursue life in Christ? What does that look like for us on a daily basis, weekly basis for all these decisions that we're making? Um, how do we ensure that when it comes to the choices that we're making or whatever it might be, that we're not doing it from self-focus? It's always from a Christ-focused lens yeah. first. Um, so that was the main the main point that I took out, at least from this chapter.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have my uh, phone with me, the app notes there. Do, do you want to run through the seven steps that you... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: So I talked through, um, I introduced seven steps, um, and this is not something... Uh, unless and unless it's been unless I directly stole this from <laughs> experiencing God, I don't think this is in experiencing God in terms of laid out as seven no. steps. Um, but the, a lot of these concepts are there. Right. how you discern that. So I went through seven steps of how do we follow God's will practically. Uh, so step number one, get in God's word. If you're yep. looking for God to speak in your life and you're not reading His word, you're crazy. Like yep. it just doesn't make sense. Uh, step number two, pray consistently. Step number three is closely tied to step number two in that you listen for God to speak. So yep. prayer is not. Just just throwing things out for God and hoping that he grants your wish. It's yeah. listening for God's input. Uh, step number four, lean on the Holy Spirit. Step number five, seek godly counsel. Step number six, wait, which I hate. <laughs> yeah. And step number seven, when God speaks, move. Good. Um, yeah, and so we talked through that and wrestled through that. And yeah, it's, I, I shared this with many people yesterday that that message was incredibly challenging for me to speak because all of those things are like, I hate doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad at doing this. <laughs> well,
1: um, we will get to a question in a second that kind of speaks to this, but let me let me just talk about it. Yeah, Philosophically, this is different um, than most series in that um, there's not like, like you can't find on the internet someone who has preached a series to go along with the study of experiencing God. No. So like um, we're... Plowing new ground, at least as far as we know it, and it's it's difficult because in all five days, there's different stuff, different things, and so it's not the kind of thing, I tried to say this in the first week, it's not the kind of thing that, uh, if you come on Sunday, you're going to get lots of good stuff, but it's not the kind of thing that Sunday either wraps everything together right. or introduces every concept, and so you can say, oh, I was there Sunday, I don't have to do the workbook. It's not that at all
0: no yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 incredibly challenging i mean to give you guys a kind of peek behind the curtain of a prepping message because you don't yeah. want to step on the toes of the book right and say like well all, all he all rick's doing is just preaching from unit one yeah. day three right <laughs> like, all he's doing is just repeating that so you don't want to step on toes from the book you don't and there is the video component too and you yep. don't just want to repeat and regurgitate things and so you kind of have to walk this fine line of like everyone's going along the highway and you're like on the road next to the highway, going in the same direction, yeah. trying, to, trying to tie things together. Um, but I think it goes to show the richness of the book, too, that yeah. we can, you know, through a little bit. Who cares? We can work hard. That's fine. Right. We'll do the hard work and, and prep messages. But through hard work, find content. That's tied in biblically with right. what they're talking about. That like these are not just concepts that Henry Black- Blackaby is just like inventing and yeah. oh this is good self help. Like all of this is tied biblically, and if he has one verse as an example in the book, then we'll find another verse that yeah. ties into it and speaks to it. And it's challenging, which makes it fun.
1: Yeah, and and I and I think the other thing that that does is it really gives additional content. Uh, for you to have conversations with yep. your husband, your wife, with your life group, with yep. whoever maybe you're doing the study with—that's yep. that's just really
0: good and solid as yeah. well. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff.
1: So you ready to kind of dive in? I think so. Um, the the <laughs> first note when I was when I listened to the message that that I thought, um, early in the message you communicated this concept of you're dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and it made me think of conversations that we had hmm. about the the um, the conflict that exists between our American mindset that says that we need to stand up for our rights, yep. and this biblical concept that says um, it's not I who live, is it's Christ who lives in me. Yep. Can you just talk about? Can you flesh out that whole concept of you being dead a little bit more?
0: Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I the the message was kind of divided into two pieces because you have this practical piece you know these seven these seven steps these these best practices that I put yeah. them I don't know if they're best practices I think they're good but they're, I made them so they're solid take, I'll, them, I'll, take them with some salt <laughs> um but then the first part of the message was really just trying to hammer home this concept of you you are dead and we don't like to hear that because right. we're we're surrounded in a culture that says no it's your preference that is the driving force of who you are if you if you don't get to live out your desire your personal preference a you know who am i to step into someone else's life and say your personal preference is not only wrong it's dangerous it's hurtful it's damaging your relationship with god like that's a really that's a really arrogant thing to say in our culture to come out to someone and say, like, oh, not, not only are you wrong, you're dangerous in terms of your belief yeah. system. Um, that's not that's not OK in our culture to say that. Um, and that's where it goes back to, again, like it, that that is the deal presented to us. And that's where I went to, to Luke 9, where Jesus says, like, if you're with me, you're dead. <laughs> right. And the, the benefit, the, the true benefit that you realize as a follower of Jesus is that it's in my death that I find the fullness of what life actually is. Because I get this promised, promised lie from the enemy that, oh, no, life is found in your preferences, your desires, your experiences. What you value most is what life is. And Jesus says, no, I have something so much better than what you can even imagine and that's where life is, but again, that's real. That's really countercultural, especially in America.
1: Yeah, I I, f- I feel like we almost need to just sit and be quiet for a second <laughs> to let that yeah. settle. That I and I think this. I think we did this in the in one of the um, podcasts that was a follow up to the Supreme Court's abortion decision that we sure. talked about. I mean, and maybe it was in the first one that we talked about. That as followers of Jesus, we give up the right mm. to do anything except follow Jesus. Yeah, um, we don't. We don't have a right. Whoa, we don't have right <laughs> to privacy. We don't have a right to, mm. a right, um, to defend ourselves. Mm. We, we give all that up, and that's really hard for us to hear. And harder to live out because I can it's easy for me to say it here as we record, yep until yeah, totally, somebody <laughs> totally dead to self <laughs> until somebody gets in my face and and I want to push back and say, yep. no, you can't do that to me, yep. you don't have the right to do that to me yep. I don't have the right I, I I have the right to defend myself, I have the right to stick up yep. all, um to demand that i be treated yep, properly.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why it's so important. I mean, it makes sense why it comes so early in the book for experiencing God, because if you miss this, then whatever you're experiencing God later down the road becomes compromised, because that's not really like, well, if, if I'm experiencing from God and I like it, well, then, yeah, I'm yeah. all for it. But if I experience him from God and I, it's not my preference... Well, I haven't learned what it means to die to myself. And so that's why it's, it's why Jesus in his ministry talks about this so often and so early in, re- in recruiting disciples. It's like, hey, following me is not an easy thing because it's the total death of yourself. It's the total abandonment of yourself. It means there's going to be division and separation in your family, amongst your right. friend groups, and your workplaces, and all these places. And all of that is true and worth it when you understand what life in Christ is like. Right. So, are you ready to
1: really dive into some implications of that? Yeah. Um, now, so you know, usually Mark gives, like, if I'm preaching, Mark gives me the questions and says, "No, oh, this is what I want to talk about." I didn't do any of that today, so, <laughs> no, so it's here's all fresh. it's all fresh. You're you're getting just the uh, the immediate reaction. Yeah. Um, this is what I wrote, uh, and this is out of what you said to deny ourselves. Uh, this is what culture says. To deny ourselves and to ask someone else to do the same, to deny themselves, is to actually harm them mm-hmm. because we would be asking them to deny their true self. Yeah. So do you think that that's, that concept is why in America, in Western thought right now, there is such a pushback, if you will, to say no we shouldn't send missionaries to that mm. primitive culture sure or to that other culture and ask them to change yeah because that would be denying their culture
0: right yeah i think some of it comes down to uh, we've had this conversation before of uh, as we send missionaries are typically, you know, especially in the past as, as Americans send missionaries, it's not only do we want to, to Christianize them. We also want to Americanize them. Yeah. So do church like Americans gather together every yeah. Sunday at nine thirty. <laughs> that's right. Sing or three 11. Songs yeah. Or 11. <laughs> yeah. Sing three songs, preach for 30 minutes and then do life groups. And that's how you do church. Yeah. And so in, in a, in, from a good place of sending missionaries to bring the gospel, we also try to bring the American gospel, which is right. do church like us. So I think we can both acknowledge that's that's not That's not, not it. what, that's we're, talking not what we're talking about. Yeah, what we're talking about is do we? Does any person have the the right? If yeah. we're talking about right, yeah. does any person have the right to go to another person, whether they be their neighbor or someone in a developing country, whatever it might be, and say, "Hey, I know you've lived your whole life this way, and it's wrong." Yeah, and I have a better way for you to live, because even in saying that, like I can feel even like have yeah, the tension, the tension. Like, is oh, there. you're gonna tell them you have a better way to live, like, and again, that's where we need to separate. We're not telling people the American way to live is the better way. Right, get a credit card, buy a house, get your picket fence. You know, move away from your parents. Right. That's not what we're saying. That's not that's not what Jesus says. Correct. And so if, but if I go to someone and I do tell them what Jesus says, where I tell them, hey, you, this culture that you have surrounded yourself in is sinful and it's deadly to your soul. And the most life giving thing I can ask of you is to put your faith in Christ because he takes all of this junk, all of this sin, and he takes care of it. Is that an offensive thing? our culture would say yes. Yeah. Because I've I've devalued your belief system. I've devalued your worldview in the eyes of the world. Um, and that's where, again, we have to we go back to God's word and say, okay, if I really believe this, this is where the dead to self part comes right. in. Because if I'm not dead to self, I'm going to look at what culture thinks of me, what this person thinks of me, and say, I don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with the embarrassment, the shame, the pushback, all of that. You live your truth. I'll live my truth. And that's that tends to be where American churches right. tend to fall. Um, and if we're... Looking at Jesus' words in Luke nine, Jesus was not afraid of letting yeah. people know the reality of the cost of following him, and there's a big cost to following Jesus. Yeah, and 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 when we pay that cost,
1: Jesus paid the cost. But when yeah. we when we live that out, yeah, there is no way that we can look like the rest of culture, right? Um, it's yeah. it's it's so radically. Different that the yep. way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we respond, is different because it's yep. Jesus. And and yep. and I mean, even if you just think about our culture, um, Jesus was a guy who didn't have a house, mm-hmm. who didn't have a car. Yep. Um, he said to his disciples. Don't even, uh, you know, take your robe and a, and a cloak. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. That, don't take it. You're going to live completely dependent upon other people yeah. on their generosity. He said, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Yep. That's a completely different kind of concept, that a dependency on God. Right. That That is... Um, absolutely foreign to us.
0: Yeah, and I think that's I don't know. We're, we're kind of diving into this, but th- that's yeah. part of the conversation that came up in subsequent conversations after the message was uh, even. You know, in in my family unit, it, it is does God ever call you to things that are worse for you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than your current life. Um, and I think you know, there's a question that we have further down. Um, oh,
1: let's jump there. That, yeah. the, here was the question: Does following God and saying no to our own comfort and
0: desires? mean that we shouldn't pursue any comforts that's a great question yeah it's a super good question and i think it's (laughs) we because we we love looking through our american lens it's so hard to remove that that rose-colored lens in front of things and say and really ask the question will god ever call me to take uh to to take a demotion to lose money um, will God ever call me to buy a smaller house even though my family's growing will God ever call me to sell all that I own and be a missionary in a, in a developing country? Um, will God <laughs> basically will God call me to hard things right um, and we we tend to think that as I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus that I'm called to, To better things and better for us is interpreted through the lens of I'm more comfortable in my finances. I'm getting promotions at work. My family life is always peaceful and there's no division amongst extended family, whatever it might be. Like everything's going well and getting better. And that's what following Jesus looks like. And so if my life is not getting better by those metrics, then I must not be a good follower of Jesus. Yeah. That's dangerous thinking. Yeah.
1: And the opposite end of that. It's true as well. The the concept that says, "Oh, if I follow Jesus, that means everything's going to be terrible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be poor. I'm gonna live like um, Mother Teresa. I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have. must sell all that I own. (laughs) I'm, I, I I won't have anything. (laughs) I'll be sleeping on burlap bag, kind of a deal. (laughs) Um,
0: Is that?" Yeah, no, that's, so it's not, God is not this formulaic, following Jesus is not so formulaic that it always looks like this, like your following Jesus always ends up in the same place in that we're following Christ, we're right. getting closer to Jesus. But if I, if you and I were to compare our walks with Jesus and say, okay, well, what decisions did you make when you were 25 versus when I was 25 and yeah. we both made different decisions. So how did we follow Jesus in the same, like God's plans are so much better bigger than ours and so much wider than ours. And because we trust that he has a plan, um, we know that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord according to his purpose. And so it might be that God calls you to sell all that you own and be a missionary in Sri Lanka or Papua New Guinea or whatever it might be. Um, It also might be that God calls you to stay exactly where you at because he has placed you in a position in your Or in your family unit where you can have the most influence in that area. And I I shared with someone on Sunday after the service that right after college, I got a job in Milwaukee that I hated. I hated it. And I said, okay, I'm going to give it three months just to like, maybe I'm just not understanding. Maybe it's just growing pains. I'll, I'll stick with it. So for three months, stuck with it, hated it even more. And so for the next year and a half, I spent so much of my time trying to get out of the company, trying to interview for jobs, find different ways to get out of it. And I remember eventually I got a job. God provided, got a, got a job that I loved. It was great. It was, it was super, super good. And I remember debriefing with Julie saying I wasted all of my time at that company as an influence for Christ because I was so desperate to huh. leave that I just ignored all of the opportunity in front of me of people that I could influence, people that I could speak to, um, and what a waste that was. That I can look back on that time yeah. and think of the influence that I could have had, but I was more concerned with I'm not comfortable, <laughs> and so yeah. I just ignored it. Yeah, and that's tough.
1: So, so bottom line, there's following Jesus is following Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's not measured by comfort nor by discomfort, right? On either end, yep. It's measured by. Obedience.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the way the way I talked about it with someone yesterday was it's for me, it's a measure of, you know, is, does God get angry when you pursue comforts? No, I don't think God gets mad when you put money into your savings account <laughs> or buy a dishwasher <laughs> or buy a dishwasher. That's <laughs> or, good because I just turn dishwasher. your air conditioning <laughs> on or anything yeah. like that. Like, I don't think God's like, come on, guys, you got to be better than this. Like, that's not I don't think that's God's mentality. And I do think it's God's mentality that am I treasuring that comfort? Right above what he's asking me to do so if god says hey like if you can save a little bit of money on your electrical bill and not turn your ac up you could give you could sponsor a kid to compassion right and i'm really calling you to do that are you willing to give up this comfort to do what i'm asking you to do and it's at that point where we have to wrestle with the cost of following jesus because a follower of jesus says yes to god every single time regardless of the cost right um could
1: could you talk just for a second about the concept you said? Um, this is a phrase that I've heard other people say, but can you just flesh it out? God's grace is free, but it's not cheap.
0: Mm. Yeah, so that um, basically came out of the... Um excerpts from the book that I had shared from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another book that will change your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's certainly a book that will challenge your thinking. Yes, it will. Uh, Cost of Discipleship written uh, right before or during early World War uh, Two from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 42, 41, Um, someone there. Pastor in Germany, notable anti-Nazi voice in the church, uh, arrested and executed, but wrote this book, The Cost of Discipleship, and wrestles with this concept of cheap grace versus free grace. So he presents it as, you know, we as the church we present either cheap grace which is grace uh, forgiveness that doesn't require repentance it's grace without discipleship grace without the cross or you have costly grace which i th- in in you know if i'm putting words in his mouth this is what grace actually is that right. grace is not just this free willy nilly thing that god said like everybody's forgiven and it just happened like things had to happen in order for to for forgiveness yeah. to be accomplished and so there's a cost associated with that. And so for us, grace is offered freely. There's nothing that Rick has to do in order to earn God's favor to now get God's grace. It's not that you had to say so many prayers or go to church enough times or whatever it might be. So on that side of things, it is free. It's a free gift that's offered to us. But we have to understand that 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 free gift is not accomplished for free. There's a massive cost associated with that in that Jesus laid down his life, took on all of our sin, took on all the wrath of God. That's not a cost that we're even capable of paying once, let alone for all mankind. Um, And then subsequently, so once you Accept their free gift of God. What is the what is the the cost put on the life of the follower of Jesus? Do you just get to sin all the more that grace may abound? If we're growing the six, Apostle Paul, yeah. uh, no, it's not just this. Hey, I got the free gift of grace, and now I'm you know I'm good to do whatever I want. Who cares yeah. about God? I've got the grace. That's all I need. Um, there's a cost that's put on your life of following Jesus. Are you willing to accept this cost of? You know, if we're going back to Jesus' words, are you willing to accept? And not only just accept, but in some ways pursue the division that comes from the world yeah. of following Jesus. There's a huge yeah. cost to that. Of like, I, you know, if I'm looking into my own life, of friends that I've lost that no longer speak to me because of following Jesus, right. um, family family members that have experienced great division because of following Jesus, and the cost that comes with that um so there is a massive cost in that is God's grace free absolutely like you said earlier you you are totally free and that is paid for in Christ and there's a there's a big cost that comes on both ends of grace um that we just like to ignore because it's easier
1: yeah good 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 um uh you talked about the Holy Spirit as a weird cousin sure at the family reunion, and so here's my question for you: Do you have a weird cousin at your family reunions? <laughs> I can't say because they might watch. <laughs> so all of I, my family's—I was normal. trying to trap you.
0: <laughs> all of my family is normal. We have great relationships, and there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing going on there. You're not allowed to lie on the <laughs> podcast, Mark. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit will convict me later. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I just think it's, and we we often talk about it in the church because there's. Typically, the churches that are very comfortable with the Holy Spirit almost have a weird relationship with the other aspects of the Trinity. Yeah. And so you get really, really close to the Holy Spirit, and you're like, God the Father, eh, we like the Holy Spirit. He does fun stuff for us. Um, but then you kind of have this weird pendulum swing in the church of this comfort or discomfort with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so it's it's trying to wrestle through. Like, I think I think you can have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit without letting the weird stuff Divide yeah. you or distract you from things, um, but no, it doesn't come from my experience yeah. of having that weird cousin um, <laughs> that I, I can share. <laughs> I
1: love, I love just that you talked about the pendulum as a, as a, um, as an image, because I think when you look historically over the last two thousand years, and maybe even before Jesus, that there, um, that there is this sense in. Uh, let's just class of, are qualified in the last2,000 years yeah. in church history there is this sense that there's this emphasis oftentimes on scripture and on Jesus that's very intellectual and yeah. rational yep. and that's right on target and the Holy Spirit gets left out and that there there it's all about what happens in our head for some of us I'd say at North Point that's true. that's that's our experience. Yep. And oftentimes, when that happens, um, stuff happens in life where where there's crisis or whatever, and we become desperately in need of this very real mm. sense emotionally of God's presence with us. Yeah. and and what often happens is that the pendulum swings and the, and yeah. and we become aware of the holy spirit and it's like oh this is j- this is what i've been looking for this yep. this clear sense of the holy spirit's guiding every step that i take and everything that i do and um, and we live in that world with the pendulum over pendulum over here, where the holy Spirit 's everything, and we kind of forget about Jesus in the word and it 's like, oh, I saw God in that caterpillar uh, you know he only he was one one foot short, and so that means I need to do X, y, z, or whatever um, and we lose that balance and I yeah. think the challenge for us is to recognize that that God is the Father who is communicated to us through yeah. through the word through Jesus. And He's given us a comforter to walk with us, somebody to to walk alongside us, um, and and guide us through that process. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think I think we talked about this on one of the podcasts. We talked about who is God, or maybe we were talking about explaining the yeah. Trinity or something. But one of the things that, like, for me, has kind of um, given perspective into the relationship of the Holy Spirit. And I shared a little bit of this yesterday. That you know. I think as you develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll see that he's always been working. Like the Holy Spirit, yeah. is not like waiting. He's not just like waiting on the sidelines. Like, oh, okay, as soon as you tag me in, then I'll work in your life. Like, he's just <laughs> like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you'll understand what I'm doing. Um, but at least for me, there's, um, I think it's Romans 8, where it talks about um, the groanings that are too deep for understand. Oh. Uh, and so basically there's this passage in Romans that talks about, like the Holy Spirit on your behalf goes before God the Father. And talks about you with, the, and so like the Trinity has this conversation about you. And I just think of all the times in my life where I've come before God and I've been like, God, like I, I don't even know how to process what's happening in my yeah. life. I don't know how to. And in those moments, that's where it says in Romans eight that the Holy Spirit's like, I got you. I'm going to go before the Father and I'm going to advocate on your behalf, and yep. we're going to have a conversation. And we're going to take care of you in this moment, and so like understanding that the whole that that's the Holy Spirit's desire is not to freak you out with gifts and miraculous things. It's not to distract or divide the church. It's to help you. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> such it's a big help. Yeah, to be our intercessor and advocate. Yeah,
1: good 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 stuff. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm I'm ready to jump to the <laughs> <Okay>. actual questions
0: <laughs> the, the, the now. Questions that got submitted.
1: Uh, first question. Yeah. <laughs> this was a little bit. weird. When can I join the church, Mark?
0: <laughs> so uh, we were talking before this probably goes back to a little bit of our baptism conversation i'm assuming again this yeah. is not talking about like what day of the week <laughs> yeah what season is best um when can i join the church um so i guess i how i would talk about this or categorize this and obviously i'll loop you in because like <laughs> you're one of the elders <laughs> and the elders <laughs> help people join the church <laughs> um so there's there's two big things that I think it's important for people to recognize there's the big C church and the little C church. Yep. So when can I join the church? If I'm looking at the big C, the global church, Christ's church, you join that when you join it with Christ. Yeah. So when you put your faith in Christ, congrats, you've yeah. joined the church. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes down to the logistics of joining a local body, um, joining the local church, the the three things that I I believe we would look for, and you can flesh this out more is Are you committed to Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, are you in a committed relationship with Christ as your Lord and Savior? Um, are you committed to Christ's church? Yep. So are you committed in a local body? Are you attending here regularly? Are you serving? Are you engaging? Um, and then I know one of the things we would ask too is, uh, have you publicly put your faith out there in the form of baptism? Are you baptized? Yeah. Um, and you can kind of walk through those steps more because you have experience of of, of walking through this with people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I would just say the 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 um, the big issue is uh, people say all the time, again, because culturally we're in a, we're in a time period where, you know, 50 years ago, people said, Oh yeah, I want to join. Yeah. I, I want my name on the roll. I want, yeah. you know, I want all that stuff. And we're at a place culturally now where it's like, nah, I don't want any responsibility. Don't want to join. Don't want to do any of that. And the commitment to a local body, uh, commitment to North point, it really is the the benefit that comes from that, I think is for us mm. um, individually in that we say, here is where i am um, planting my flag here is where i want to serve here's where i want to give here's where i want to be fed and um and i'm committed to this particular body of believers i'm going to be accountable to them too so um so if i get a line i want someone to be able to speak to my life Mm Uh, to speak to me and say, "Hey, you got to get back on track. You're you're off track. That all that yeah. kind of stuff." And so, so that's really what it's about in terms of mechanics. It's easy. We, you know, we've got a membership application where people just have a chance to tell their story. Yeah. Um, and and I would encourage people to do that. So if you haven't done that, do that <laughs> um, because because it really that's an encouragement to the body. Yeah. And and I just think it's good for us to say, "Oh, am." Am I a McDonald's guy? Am I a Burger King guy? Am I a, or do I just go wherever I want to be able to say, no, I'm am a North Point guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is where I'm pouring into people around me. I'm still going to pour into people who aren't a part of North Point, yep. but that's where I'm. It's where I'm going to be accountable. It's where I'm going to. It's where I'm going to serve. Where I'm going to give
0: all yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting talking about this in terms of our culture because our culture tends to look at this this question from the benefits. Yeah. Side of things. Of, okay. Well, if I join, what do I get? So, when I join at North Point, do I get like a free Netflix subscription? Like, what sort of perks do I get? And I think the biggest thing, again, goes back to the, what we just talked about this Sunday that yeah. you're dead to self. Yeah. So we're not looking for self benefit. And also understanding that joining the church does benefit you because yep. it benefits the church that right. you are part of. Right. Um, so, if we're looking at things like accountability or even just knowing what's going on, that there's, there's some just logistical reality that you are better served by the church when you better serve in the church. Right. Um, so people will know what's going on in your life. People will know the hardships that are you're experiencing. People know when you have ups and downs and can celebrate with you and mourn with you, much more so when you're in the church as opposed to just this kind of in-and-out relationship.
1: I, I think at some point we probably talked about doing a podcast on church membership and, <laughs> and you know, so. that kind of thing. We haven't done it, so I'll just take... The opportunity right now to say yeah. this, um, uh, this, is a, this is one of those things that f- drives me crazy. Um, when somebody who's a part of North Point, who's been coming for a long time or, or whatever, and, and they say, oh, what you guys do at North Point, that's really good. Or, I, you know, I don't really like what you do at, at North Point. And, and they functionally have kind of been a part of the body. I, I, yeah. If you find that in your language, I would challenge you to think about what that, uh, th- just think about the light that that sheds to say, yeah, you're here, but you're not really in. Mm. Um, and if you say, oh, what we do at North Point, I really love what we do. at I love what we're doing at North Point. We versus they, When we, if you're using the we language and you haven't gone through the process of of doing the, uh, making a commitment in terms of membership, I'd just encourage you to do that because that's where your head is, yeah. And, and it just gives you a chance to live that out. Yep. Uh, no, that's great.
0: Yeah, glad you said it.
1: Thanks for that question. Uh, second question, was the, uh, was the first week really summarized by God's will being to glorify himself uh, via relationships with people, or was it that he desires to work through people through their relationship with him?
0: and this question was submitted by John Wesley. <laughs> oh yes, I missed that. Yes, John Wesley sent that from the, the grave. The John Wesley. <laughs> so, I must be I maybe I'm not as familiar with John Wesley's theology. I don't know if John Wesley would have uh anything to to push back on in terms of either of those definitions, but again, maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding some of Wesley <laughs> Wesley's theology. Um, Is the first week summarized by God's will being to glorify himself via relationships or is it actually that he desires to work through people via their relationship with him? I think the answer is yes to both. And and I would say I'm certainly adding a definition to what I think Blackaby is implying. So uh, if you go through experiencing God, I don't think there's anything, there's any explicit definition where Blackaby says God's will is this where god's will is to glorify himself by being in relationship with his people i don't think that's in there no but i think that's implied in a lot of the language and verbiage and concepts that blackaby's talking about so if i'm summarizing um what blackaby's talking about i think that's i think that's a safe definition to to arrive at that again where i'm i'm looking at experiencing god and i'm looking at god's word and i've if i If I have to take the whole Bible and I summarize God's what's God's will through the Bible, God's desire is to glorify his name. And again, we look at that and we think that's really selfish. (laughs) That's really self-focused. God, you're asking us to die to yourself and all you're concerned about is your glory and your name. But if we look at, especially in the Old (laughs) Testament, Lord, forgive us that we say that that sounds foolish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a challenge. This is this was a really really helpful exercise for me. Go through the Old Testament, and this is where this is where I would say it's safe to do this. Do a word search of the Bible and look up namesake, where God does things for the sake of His own wow. name, and you will be amazed, especially in the Old Testament, where God says, "Hey Israel, you're messing up royally, and I'm going to save you for My namesake." And we look at that and we think, okay, God, well, don't they deserve to be saved? These are your people. These are the people that you love. But you're, the reasoning that you're providing is your name. And I yeah. think, again, that's where we're, this comes to our dead to self, where we wrestle with this, where it's like, God, it's not loving if you're doing it for your name. And that's where we just have no comprehension of what God's, what God is, what yeah. God is, the glory of God, Yeah, um, the holiness of God, the total transcendence of God. Um And so it's, for me, it's this amazing thing where God's will is to glorify himself. And one of the ways that he does that is that he chooses to be in relationship with me. Right. Like, God, if I'm giving you feedback, that's a bad choice. (laughs) You don't need my my help to glorify your name. Um, But it's amazing that God's love, like that to me speaks more so to the love of God. Yeah. Yeah. He glorifies his name by choosing to be in relationship with people like me. Like that's... That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and that he would choose us, not just to be in relationship with him, but that he would choose us to functionally in the world mm. bring glory to himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not just, it's not, it is with us, but it's not just with us. It's, it's us being able to mirror his glory. Yep. All around us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. So,
0: so again, you know, if I'm looking at Blackaby's book, I'm certainly adding that yeah. definition there. And I, I don't think it disagrees with what Blackaby is saying. I just think Blackaby probably starts at a level where that's either assumed or implied by what he's talking about. So, Yeah, um, a, and,
1: and some of this will get fleshed out e- even in future weeks. But I, I would right. just say this. I One of the things that I loved in the first week was... Um, I think it was in the first week, uh, the days start to run together, that just the whole concept of we get so concerned about what's God's will for my life. Yeah. And that's a completely different question than saying, God, what's your will? Yeah. Your will yep. is what's most important, not your will for my
0: life. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think it gets fleshed out a little bit in this week, or maybe it's the week after, where there, there's almost like these... And these are. this is probably the wrong word, so you can correct me, but there's almost like this tiered list of categorizing God's will, where it, like God's, what is God's will for your life? Do, yes. Does God have a plan for your life? Absolutely, God right. has a plan for your life. But I think you arrive at his plan for your life when you kind of work your way up the tiered list of God's will, where God's main concern is glory for himself. Right. And then from there, okay, God, does it matter if I drink Coke or Pepsi? Which of these glorifies your name more? And God's like, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Just drink what just drink yeah. Just drink what you want to drink. That's fine. Um <laughs> uh, but there are gonna be decisions that you and we'll get into some of these questions, there's gonna be decisions that you're gonna make as a family where I think it's gonna be helpful to work up that categorized tier list and say, okay, does we're faced with this really tough decision as a family. Is does this one glorify God's name? Does this one glorify right. God's name? And if it doesn't, that's a clear thing of like, well, we're just not gonna do it. If it doesn't bring glory to God's name, don't do it. Right.
1: Good. Um, Let's see. Can you, talk, uh, can you talk about how to move forward on something that God's speaking to you about when your spouse or kids are not on the same page? They may eventually get there, yeah. but they're not there right now. Yep. You have this sense, this is what I'm supposed to do. But within your
0: family, you, yep. you're getting pushback. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of what I was just talking about, where having this categorized list of, does God have a plan for your life? Absolutely. And we're going to start at the top and make sure that whatever we do is a family unit Glorifies God, Um, and it's actually interesting that this question came in because I'm 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 having conversations with a friend who has a family, wife, kids, and feels really, 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 really called into a specific thing, and the family unit's like we're not comfortable with that, Um, and so it's been interesting to kind of walk through this what this looks like, and I think my my main takeaway in this situation is. It's a tough situation, so acknowledge that it's tough. It's not going to be this easy thing where God just makes your spouse wake up one day and be like, honey, I've realized the error of my ways. I totally agree. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, It's probably not going to be like that. It could be like that. The Holy Spirit could work in that way, but it's probably not going to be like that. And so I think if for, for me, if I'm putting myself in this situation, it's realizing that what has God called me to first and primarily? I'm called to my family first and so if i'm called into my family especially with a spouse and kids that is my primary calling from god and so god's not going to call me out of that or away from that in a way that says hey you know what i called you to marry this person and to have these kids and now i'm calling you to something else and you doesn't they don't matter like that that does not compute with how god works that your primary calling <laughs> This is one of those unrehearsed moments <laughs> where you're disagreeing or where you Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, well, maybe it, maybe it's cuz I'm not explaining it well. No, no, no.
1: I'm I hear what you're saying. I would probably explain it differently. Sure. Because I because in the context of what we're talking about, our primary calling is to God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are some times that God calls us to, to a place that everybody's not on page, mm-hmm. including our wife and kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and And that their resistance is not necessarily the trump card that keeps us from pursuing what god has called us to yeah so let me explain
0: it with an example and i think yeah. we'll see that we're on the same page so let's say let's say you're uh, in a family unit husband wife couple kids and the husband says hey i feel called to um we're going to uproot our family we're moving to antarctica i feel like god's called us to antarctica and the wife says i i don't want to do that husband says tough luck i already bought the tickets i'm on am way you don't have to come if you don't want to but i'm going that's not how you lead. That's not how you follow right. God's will. Because you're, that's your family. Right. That's who God's called you to. So I think what you're called to in that situation where this is really tough is you are called to lovingly and patiently discern the will of God with your family. Yes. That's your primary yeah. calling. Um, because absolutely, yeah. I mean, if we're going back to what we've talked about, is God going to call you to things that are uncomfortable? Most often, yes. Yeah. The things that God asks you to do are not comfortable, easy, simple things. Um, and as a family unit, again, if especially in an American family unit, we're gonna tend towards comfort. We're gonna tend towards ease. So I don't wanna yeah. sell the house, I don't wanna move, I don't wanna change jobs, I don't wanna transition, I don't wanna change schools, I don't wanna go to a different country, I want things to stay the same. And is God gonna call you out of that? Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. And that's gonna be really uncomfortable. And your call, you know, I'm looking at this from, from the from the standpoint of a husband that's 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 trying to, to love to lovingly lead his family. Is it lovingly leading if I'm just like, hey, you either get on board or get out because yeah. this is God's calling? Obviously, we would say, no, that's not how you lead. That's y- right. And you still pursue, your call is to still pursue God's will in that, however you lovingly and patiently discern what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that there are times in a, in a family unit where a um, where husband and wife may be on different pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is able to say, "I'm not on page. I, I'm not with you on this, but I'm going to follow. I'm 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 I'm, g- I'm going to follow your leadership." Yeah. And just so you know, I think we're going to crash and burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm with you because because I'm there. I th- that's um, I, I think God. Honors that because we learn even if we crash and burn, mm-hmm. we, we learn through that process to discern God's voice. Which is maybe another question that um, I don't know if it's here or, um, uh, we'll have to look if not. Just the, the um, figuring out how to really discern is that God's will or is that what I want? Mm. That, the, um, that, that whole question that's there, um, the uh. There then there are other times that that you have this sense of call to something very specific and both husband and wife are on the same page. Yeah, absolutely this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Um and the kids are saying, Dad, the heck? I'm fifteen, I'm sixteen, I've got two years left of high school. Right. I, I don't wanna move to yep. <laughs> Bismarck. <laughs> um helena montana um not that there's anything wrong with bismarck or helena montana (laughs) all of our listeners in helena we love you um the uh there there are times that in that 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 i think when you have a clear sense this is what i'm supposed to do this is what i sense god calling us to do yeah that you're able to have the conversation and then kind of go through the filters that you talked about yeah. um, to discern God's God's voice. How do you know it's God right. when you have that prompting? How, how did you know mm. you were supposed to pay for that lady's meal mm. at Qdoba um, <laughs> on that Sunday?
0: Yeah, how did I know? I mean, it's not...
1: How, what was your... How, how, what made, what, what made you think that that was God's voice?
0: Yeah, I think it, uh, it goes back to some of what we talked about uh, in the message of relationship. Um, at the, at, especially at that point in my life, I, had really, I was really intentional about listening for God's voice. Um, and so how do, I, how do I learn to discern God's voice? It goes back to a little bit what we're talking about of God's will. Does, is this a thing that would glorify God if I do that? And for a lot of things in life, you might be like, "Well, there's a lot of things I could do to glorify God." And be like, "Right, then go do those things." (laughs) Like that's fine. So if you get this prompting to pay for someone's lunch, how do you know that's the Holy Spirit versus just your human inclination versus the enemy trying to twist you into doing something or whatever might be? And I go back to, "Okay, does this glorify God?" Then okay, that's a good thing. Um, And then is this in line with something that God would ask His people? to do? Do I see evidences of this from scripture where God says, Hey, take care of people, buy them food. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you do. I think you see clear evidences of that. Um, and then typically, and this was me early on in discerning this, what I told people is I found that God's voice didn't sound like my voice i don 't yeah. want to pay for your lunch <laughs> that 's no that 's good i don 't want to pay for your gas <laughs> i don 't know you. <laughs> Why would I do that um, and especially if you know me i 'm super introverted, so like i 'm not going to text you randomly and say like, "Hey, God told me to text you and tell me i 'm praying for you like that 's not me i 'm not going to do that yeah. uh, so I found that in my life god doesn 't sound like me at least early on, and now that my heart hopefully you know god 's still working, hopefully as my heart has started to change, like I do want to pay for people 's lunch. I do want to pay for people 's gas because that's that just shows the generosity of who God is. And if I can live that out for people, absolutely I want to do that. Um but that's where again, like I, I talked in the message, like God's God will speak to you in a way that reaches you. And so he's not gonna sound exactly like he does to me, like he would necessarily to you. Because yeah. I find like when God speaks to me, he's like, Hey, come on, come on, Mark just pay for that person's lunch and he might not talk to you that way cuz you'd be like okay god that's annoying
1: <laughs> yeah we had a conversation in life group this this past week where i said we were we were talking about this very thing how do you know and and i said for me similar to what you said when i have a thought or a prompting that just seems like it's out of the blue that doesn't make any sense I want my first response to be, that must be God, because that's not anything that I, I'd ever think. Yeah. So even in terms of work stuff, if I'm if I'm working on a project, uh, whatever, in the office, yeah. and all of a sudden, this person comes to mind, mm. I'm thinking, there's a reason why that person came to mind, because it doesn't make any sense with what I'm working on. There's it's, there's not a connection there. I need to text him. I need to um, yeah. write him a note, do something, and and just see what happens from that. Um, somebody else in the life group said they rec- they knew that it was probably God's voice when they would have a prompting to do something and their heart would start beating fast. It was like, ah, I, "I've got to do this," yeah. and I, that's,
0: that's that's good. good. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, uh, so that's super good. It's um, <laughs> sure. it's is yeah. uh, when well, I would say, like, I think the, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to encourage people to, like we were talking earlier with the Holy Spirit, of swinging the pendulum to over-spiritualizing everything. Right. That every thought you have is now a thought from God. Right. So we don't think that. Although we need to take captive every thought. <laughs> Although we need to take captive every thought. And I would say, I think there's something so cool about stepping into what God is saying and seeing how he works through it. Like these random promptings that you get from people of like, hey, you know, so-and-so just came to mind, so I shoot him a text. And they respond and they say like, like, I don't know if you know what I'm going through, but this is just what I needed to hear right now. And it's so cool to see that God, again, this goes back to God's will is to glorify himself by being in a relationship with us and by working through us as a means by which that he ministers and glorifies. Like, how weird is it that God says, Rick needs a blessing i'm going to tell Mark so that Mark yeah. will text Rick, <laughs> yes, a word or a verse yeah. or a prayer or something, and then Rick will get my blessing through Mark, and Mark will be blessed because he's right. he, like that's so weird, yeah, and only God could do that yeah that that's the whole premise of experiencing God, yeah seeing what God's doing
1: um one last thing on this um because sometimes it I think it helps to have an image there you are um. <laughs> Way back when, when I was doing student ministry stuff on retreats, one of the things that we would do periodically is that we would, um, on a retreat, we would create a a, a maze kind of thing, an obstacle course, and we would blindfold a kid um, Mm. in in a large room and say, okay, your goal is to get to this point on the other side. Um, And and the first step that we would do would be to say, um, okay, you, you pick a friend. Then pick a friend and say, okay, you're, uh, Rick's completely blindfolded. Mark, he can't see anything. You talk him to the final destination. Hmm. Everybody's watching, and Mark's saying, okay, take a step to your left. No, not the too big a step, a smaller step. Now take a step to your right. Now walk forward three steps. Yeah. Um, walk around the chair. You know, So... All you're doing is hearing the voice of the of the person who's your guide. That that would be the first step that would do. Yep. Second step that would do is say, okay, here is what what our lives are like for the most part. And w- and typically we'd have 20 or 30 kids on the on a retreat. Yeah. Set the kid in the exact same spot, exact same voice, and say, Okay, everyone, <laughs> do everything that you can to distract <laughs> this person. And so they'd start and people are saying, No, no, don't go left. You know, th- there's all of this noise. Wow. And they would, they would inevitably end up, you know, banging into a chair, falling down, doing whatever it was because yeah. they couldn't hear the voice of the person. And because we actually would put the, the person who was the guide on the other side of the room uh, to try and yeah. help them get there. Yep. And then the third step that would do is say, okay, exact same rules apply, except the guide, you come right beside them hmm. and just talk in their ear. And so there's, uh, you know, people are shouting, doing all kinds <laughs> of stuff, but there's someone just saying, okay, no, forget. Don't listen to that. Yeah. Just go straight ahead. You're good. Now stop. Now turn to the right. Um, uh, it, it, um, that, that's uh, yeah, just a good image. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the guy that gets you there. Yeah. Um, all right. The uh, last question we've got. Hearing today's message makes me second-guess some very important—this That is somebody sharing something really cool—it yeah. makes me second-guess some very important decisions I've made without following those seven um, best practice steps that you mentioned, and maybe selfishly making my own decisions. What's What does God do with that when I've made a decision that that may be doomed to fail because I didn't listen to wise counsel. I didn't consult scripture. I didn't, you know, I,
0: all those things. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think if I, <laughs> if I were to. This is this is such a great question. This is really vulnerable, um, and I love that. I love that people f- feel. Comfortable asking this question. Yeah, this one's not from John Wesley. This is not John Wesley. <laughs> John Wesley was firm in every <laughs> decision that he made. <laughs> the rest of us, we got to wrestle with what we did. Yeah, um, I'm trying to like look, like evaluate my life and think through. You know, if I'm putting them on a scale of how many decisions have I made fully in line with God versus how many decisions have I made selfishly, and where God has still brought me in the midst of that, I think the. What does God do with this when I make selfish decisions and will that be doomed to fail? Um, that's part of why I shared the story of the the woman at Qdoba is because my motivation in paying for her lunch, I wanted the credit for yeah. it. Like I yeah. wanted to be seen as the guy that was like, oh, that guy's so generous. He just paid for that lady's lunch and now he started a chain of people paying for like, oh my goodness, this guy's amazing. Like that was my motivation for that even though God asked me to do it and I did say yes, I still found a way to twist that into something for my benefit. Um, So I would say, even if we're following these best practices, we're still going to have somewhere along the way that we're probably going to slip up and make it about ourselves and not fully, completely, 100% be perfectly following God's will. And does God work through that? He he has to, (laughs) and he does, and he promises to. That's where I look at... um, for me, in wrestling with things like this, like I, I always, th- for any theological thing that I look that you look to, look to the cross. Is it accomplished in the cross? Mm. Did people make selfish decisions in leading the cross? Hundred percent. Pilate very selfish. I don't want. Th- I don't want the blame. You guys take care of it. You do it. Right. The Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious elites. Did they make selfish decisions? Absolutely. Nothing in line with what God's desire is. Did the disciples make selfish decisions? Yeah, they cut people's ears off and they're denying Christ. They ran. They ran away. They abandoned him. And through all of those selfish decisions, God perfectly accomplishes exactly what he wants to do on the cross. And your salvation is purchased, your relationship is safe, and you are brought closer to Jesus as a result. Is that an excuse to make selfish decisions? No, because all of those people are held accountable for their selfish decisions. And God, the phrase I always use is God's plan accounts for my stupidity. Like Hmm. God knows I'm a selfish person. God knows I'm a stupid person. God knows that my tendency is going to be I want comfort. I want peace. I don't like change. I don't want to do that. And he knows that. And he still accounts for that in his plan and accomplishes his purpose. And again, it doesn't discount our selfishness. It just speaks to more of God's amazing sovereignty and working all of these things right. out according to his purpose.
1: Yeah, I the uh, it's it is really interesting because your theology shapes kind of how you answer that question sure, sure, in, sure. in huh. terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. of in in terms of if you say, well God foreordained everything from the beginning of time, yeah. he knew that you were going to make those bad decisions. That's all a part of his plan. Yeah. Um, if on the other end you say, you know, God gives us free will, yeah. we can't we can't thwart God's will. That, yes. That's the big thing. So, so much that's in that question really kind of is, uh, it hinges on God's will for my life as opposed to God's will. Hmm. Um, there's not anything that you can do to break down God's will. Yeah. God's, God's, It's God's will. He's not going to change. Um, I would say, as I look back on my life, there are some decisions that I've made that that I probably didn 't consult um, i i didn 't go through those steps at all and um and they had bad results they you know there there was a price to pay for doing that um, but God used the the cost of those lessons. Yep. I, I was talking to somebody recently the, the other day and and said when I was a junior in high school, I played football for at that point for six years. Loved football. I loved this insight into Rick's mind. I loved hitting people. <laughs> um, you know, it was I just football was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And um, and my football coaches in high school, um, it was a very um, anti-christian not unchristian it was anti-christian environment when I was playing football and after my junior year and I had started my junior year at a big school that um, had good football program I just thought spiritually I've had enough I've just had enough and I need to quit and so um, one of the one of the seniors actually this was would have been after my sophomore year before my junior year and uh, one of the seniors called and said, where are you? You're not, you're not the summer practice stuff. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to play. And he said, what are you talking about? You got to play. You're going to start this year. All those people cheering your name. What are you going to yep. do on Friday nights? You're going to be sitting in the stands, sad, worrying about why you're not on the <laughs> field, all that stuff. And, um, and, and frankly, as a, you know, as a sophomore junior in high school, I caved, I uh, you know, the, the, the peer pressure said, I, you know I played football I know I, okay i'm going to go ahead and play so so I went back and played um, and there was a there was a price to pay as a result of that the, um, it, uh, it impacted my my spirit my soul yeah. all of that stuff but in retrospect I would say I've gotten forty years worth of sermon illustrations <laughs> <Yeah. Yep. laughs> out of those last two years of football <laughs> um, I, I, I learned a ton about who God is, yeah. and about his ability to walk with us, even in difficult situations. Yep. It's it's not the... I probably would be a different person had I not played, yep. um, but but God used it for good, even though yep. my motives were flawed yeah. in the process.
0: Well, this goes back to... We had talked about this on a podcast previously of... Um, does God... We we had a podcast about discipline where we were talking about does God does God desire to teach you through pain? Yeah, um, and you had a lot of pain in that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's that's part of what I go through. I mean, obviously, again, this this is wrestling with you know I'm 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 recognizing as I look back on my life that I've made so many selfish decisions. How does God like does God love me through that? Does God work through that? Does God yeah. still accomplish and bring glory through that? Um, and I think at some point, and we've talked about this previously too, that. We think that if we follow God's wills perfectly, we'll always have success. And it will always be good. And everything will be fine. Yeah. And I think this is a question that I think it's really worth wrestling with. Is God's will to have you fail at something?
1: I don't think it's worth wrestling with. I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah.
0: I think it, that yeah. it's clear. Is if you, Even if you, I, I don't want you to remove scripture, but if you look at your own life of the lessons that you learn through failure... Right. Um, and then you look into scripture and you see where God tells Paul, where Paul says, like, hey, I'm weak in this and I could be so much better serving the kingdom if you just remove this thorn in my flesh, whatever that might be. And God says, no, I want you to be weak. I yeah. want you to be a failure in whatever this area is, whether it's in your health or it's in critics that are assaulting you, whatever it might be. I want you to have that because it demonstrates that I'm the powerful one and that your weakness is. My power is demonstrated in your weakness. But we tend to think that if I'm following God's will perfectly and I have everything lined up, I will always succeed. I'll always get the promotion. I'll always get the house. I'll always get the thing. And I think if we're looking at God's word, God says, I want you to fail at this yeah, because it's going to push you to me. Yeah. And that's better for you.
1: Yeah. The, uh, um, the stuff that we've preached about in the last year, it's interesting that God didn't say uh, that Paul didn't say to Philemon, Paul, on behalf of God, hmm. oh, free Onesimus. He's become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh he said, No, you need to accept him as a brother in Christ. Yeah. And and bring him back as your slave. And Onesimus is carrying that stinking letter <laughs> saying, I'm still a slave. Can I forge? I, can I forge something in this letter? I, 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 <laughs> You would think because I became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I don't have to be a slave anymore. Yeah. Because this guy who is my slave owner is a Christian. Yeah. And that's not what God did.
0: Yeah. 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 So I think it's, are your decisions doomed to fail if you've made them selfishly? Thankfully, God is great at taking situations that look like they're doomed to fail and redeeming them. Right. Redeemer. Right. Um, I mean you, again, I look at the cross. I look at my situation before the cross was irredeemable. That was doomed yeah. to fail. I'm going to hell. I deserve it completely. I deserve everything that's coming towards me. And God says, I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to take what you deserve and I'm going to give you amazing abundant life. And all you got to do is trust me.
1: Yeah, and and maybe that maybe the key to that question is the is in the phrase are they is it doomed to fail? Yeah. Doomed to fail in what sense? Right. in in, right. in in a snapshot maybe so yeah. maybe it's right. maybe it's put you on a bad path you're going to lose your business you you know you're going to lose your house you're going to do whatever it is maybe so yep but the big picture it's not doomed to fail because you have this relationship with God yeah. because of Jesus yeah that changes everything yep all right we're done good stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your transitions at the end are so much better than I better than mine. That's so delicious. this is your host, Rick Rubel. <laughs> um, sign saying signing <laughs> off, saying don't forget to share, <laughs> to like, to oh, hey, we didn't say this. If you're all the way through at the beginning and you didn't send a text to me
0: or an email that said, I listen to the podcast do it now. Yes, we still want emails to go to Rick. Yeah. Still sending in your best dad jokes. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And it really does um, it's fun it's been fun getting responses back because it helps it helps us have pictures of who's listening.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've had Multiple conversations with people this week that you know I've interacted with in the past, but now that like now that I know that you're a podcast listener, like it's just <laughs> North it, Point Plus, sir. Just no, it's just nice to know who we're talking to. Yeah, it, it makes it it makes all this personal, which is what it, it's it's always been this way. But now, it, like it just right contextualize one it, big happy family, which is helpful, cool. Well, thanks for hosting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks thanks for you. hosting. Thank you for your time. Thanks for submitting questions. Uh, really encourage you again. You're not that far behind if you haven't started experiencing God. Pick up the book, get into a life group, go through it day by day. Don't skip days. Don't do any of that. Uh, But man, it's 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 so 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 good. So dive into that. That'd be great. And we'll see you next week.